The 17th Pacific Games officially open in Solomon Islands with a colourful celebration. Also, you have all this brownness on, on film, and that, that's the most amazing thing. Pacifica star Shine and Taika Waititi's latest film. And later on... Coconut is such a premium product and I've tried different versions of it. A Fijian ice cream maker scoops up a sweet relationship. The 17th Pacific Games officially opened in Solomon Islands last weekend, with the host nation pulling out all the stops to put on a vibrant and colourful celebration of culture and unity. Solomon Islands Prime Minister Manasi Sogavare welcomed the Pacific delegations to Honiara. RNZ Pacific editor Kuroi Hawkins is there and he has the story. It's the country's first time hosting a Pacific Games. On behalf of all Solomon Islanders, welcome to the 2023 Pacific Games and to our home. Organisers could have sold out the 10,000-seat national stadium several times over, with hundreds lining the nearby hills and even climbing up on rooftops and trees to get a glimpse of the spectacle. In the stands, I spoke with Sherilyn Tassab, born in Papua New Guinea, but from the Solomon Islands. She's cheering for both countries at these games. I'm just so excited. I, I can't wait for it. And I'm just like, I, I, I just want to see all these um, athletes and all from other countries that are here. I just want to see them. I just want to like, you know, jump up and just say, yay, we made it. Like Solomon Island, this is us. Yumi, Yumi now. The athletes' parade was by far the highlight of the show, with each contingent greeted by deafening applause. Martial artist Philippe Ananir is competing in karate for New Caledonia, who are the defending champions. I asked him how it felt being here for the Games. Uh, it feels amazing to see the, the atmosphere with everyone cheering from every island from the Pacific. It's very nice. New Caledonia are champions. You are the champions of the whole Games from last time. Are we? Uh, are, you, are you here to defend your title? Uh, we are definitely here to defend our title, yeah. But first we are here to share the experience with everyone else in the Pacific. With the ceremony out of the way, an even more animated Manasi Songovare returned to the podium. And on behalf of all Solomon Islanders, and in the presence of all of you here, and those watching and listening throughout the world, I am honoured to declare the 2023 Pacific Games open! Today, seven sports get underway in Honiara. Tennis, table tennis, judo, rugby league nines, swimming, sailing and weightlifting. While basketball, football and volleyball, which started last week, continue with their competitions. A Cook Islands health advocate has made it her mission to identify students who are dyslexic in order to bridge the gap between parents, schools and the education system. Dyslexia is not an obvious disability, and very few people, especially in the Cook Islands, know of it and how it affects a person. 
In response, Jean-Marie Francis founded the Cook Islands Dyslexia Society in 2021 and has lived experience raising a daughter with dyslexia. The society receives funding from the Australian High Commission and UNESCO for the one-to-one tutoring program which is changing lives across the Cook Islands. She's also leading assessments in Mauke, Atiu, Mangaia and Mitiaro to empower teachers and parents on how to spot and best serve students. Results from the survey are expected by the end of the year. Alicia Foon spoke to Jean-Marie Francis. So I can speak from a parent's point of view. It's really important that parents empower their children, give them confidence and, self, and build their self-esteem because they don't get that. And so they're mocked most of the way through their school, um, their schooling, their education, their peers mock them, their family and, you know, and in the community. They're considered dumb and stupid and they're absolutely not. So it's really important that we educate people on that. My job as a parent of a dyslexic child and a dyslexic granddaughter is to ensure that any parent that's going through what I went through initially um, becomes empowered and emboldened to, to start defending their child and supporting them in what they want to do. So I don't really care about the, the schoolwork as far as I'm concerned. They're more practical, you know, and they've got phenomenal memories. Well, they can't read and write mostly, so so what's the point? Um, and I also educate um, teachers, and it's really important because they say, well, what can we do? You know, you can assess our, our you can assess my student, but what am I going to do now? And I say, well, for starters, don't make them read. You know, that's an easy one. Don't make them read. Get their friend or their peer to sit there when they're doing schoolwork and get them to read for them. Get them to read to them. You know, so don't embarrass them in front of the class. You can verbally test a child, and if they if they want to attempt to have the book, you know, make sure that they just don't get teased. They've got phenomenal memories, and they're great kids. And for parents that want to spot signs, what would you tell them? Oh, they're very easy. So initially, you're looking at the fact that they don't want to read. For status, they won't like to read. They make they make lots of excuses. They won't write. They'll come home with some homework, maybe, and, and you know, and you don't actually know. So those are very obvious signs that they that they don't like to pick up a pen. But they may have trouble actually holding a pen um, when they're talking. They um, they can't wrap their mouths around certain words. The obvious ones when they start writing their letters are backwards. Um, and if they do start reading, they're going to read their B's as D's or P's and Q's. Uh, for some dyslexics from, on the real broad spectrum, the, when they're reading words or letters, they can actually fall off or they spiral or they dance on the page. And that, that's, a, that's, that's quite a broad one. But in general, most dyslexic children mix their letters up and when they're reading or when they're trying to write like clock, it would be spelled C-L-O-C-H or said would be S-E-D, that sort of thing. And then if they're reading um, dog... You know, if it's supposed to be dog, they may they may read it as God. You know, they'll just mix them up a little bit. Um, and another common one is that they'll put words where there aren't any words in the sentence. Meanwhile, the longest mural in the South Pacific is finally complete. Leading the project is Gonzalo Aldana, a Mexican living in the Cook Islands who's been working on the mural for over a year alongside a team of local artists. Spanning 562 metres, the incredible piece of art in Rarotonga showcases the unique biodiversity and culture of the nation's 15 islands. Tiana Haxton spoke to Aldana about the project. 
after 18 months of work, finally we are uh, finishing and happy to announce that the unveiling of the seawall mural of Maramoana in Rarotonga Cook Islands is about to be presented very, very soon. It becomes the longest mural in the South Pacific and is like definitely the longest one. It's not the biggest one, but it's the longest one. The measure is, is, the, is 562 meters long and is um, also just in comparison, the um, is three times longer than the World Record Guinness, that is in Silos in Seoul, Korea, and that is uh, 168 meters long. Of course, it's way taller, no? But it's 168 meters long, and this one is 562. I've seen the mural progressing myself and the incredible artworks showcasing each of the Pai'inua. Tell us about what's captured in your mural. Well, the... Seawall mural in Rarotonga Cook Islands is a cultural mural about to represent the 15 islands of the Cook Islands. As for example, specific motifs in, in Cook, Island, um, Cook Island Polynesian patterns, like specific for, um, from the Cook Islands, like endemic species, local flora and fauna, and also some some traditions, some some legends and some um stories and, and part of the story as well of the of the Cook Island. Around of two hundred ninety-two fishes and marine creatures, sixty-seven Cook Island um uh, Cook Islander faces, and thirty-three different species of birds, uh, twenty-one aerial views of uh, and maps of the different islands of the Cook Islands, and many, many, many other elements that make it like like obvious uh, that it has been a very long journey, and it's been a, an epic an epic project. It is a huge project indeed, and no doubt many hands make light work. You've had an amazing team working alongside you. How's that been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In general, like like the full total is, is a team made of, um, at the moment, 14, 14 helpers, only four foreigners for, from New Zealand, Australia, and Finland. But the other, the other 10 has been all uh, fully local talent. Rarotonga, like all Kukalan, a very talented artist. But yeah, I'm very grateful, definitely. Um, all the time I could feel the, the support and the good vibration and everybody uh, putting their, their effort and, and their time and their passion to make happen also this, this beautiful project uh, to come true. And how about for yourself personally? 18 months is a long time. How are you feeling now that you're done? I don't know. I'm going to sound cheesy, but sometimes like um, when you have a, like a big mission and when you, when you are just starting and you see how big it is and you're like, oh, my God, and you're not sure if you can make it or not. And then when it's finally done, you feel like, whoa, really, really, we had to walk that all that, all that long journey. And in that way, I feel really, really grateful with the universe. I think, like, with everybody who trusts in my work. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm totally, totally thankful with the community, too. And, yeah, I, it's difficult to describe how I feel. But, yeah, definitely, definitely very blessed for being part of this. And, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to share with my grandchildren the story of the Rarotonga Seawall. And finally, for those who are going to be going down to check out the seawall mural, what do you want them to get out of the experience of walking alongside this beautiful art piece? 
Well, the project is not just about the the artwork. It's also, as I told you, it's about to create like a educational spot where everybody can can see part of the of the of the identity of the Cook Islands as well. Marae Moana um, Committee will attach some QR codes all around the the seawall. Uh, and you can, when you are walking around, you can scan it, you will be connected to the website and you can see exactly the explanation of every element. What is that species? What is that story? Who is that person? What is that tradition? Everything about the seawall will be explained over there. Uh, it's going to be a pleasure to show it. It's very beautiful. It's very vibrant. It's colorful. And, um, well, it will be, will be a pleasure if yeah, they can enjoy the, the public gallery that we created. And, yeah, good vibration for everyone. <laughs> and thank you. France's new ambassador to the Pacific says her focus will be on peace and freedom for the region. In just under a month in the position, Veronique Roger-Lacan has already met with various leaders and delegates at the Pacific Islands Forum. Lydia Law spoke with her about what she hopes to achieve. I hope to spend three or four years in interacting with everyone in the region, including our French territories. So as contribute to keeping this, uh, this area, this blue continent, as an area of uh, peace, freedom and security. And on the sidelines of the Pacific Islands Forum, France strengthened its climate actions. Can you tell me what exactly has been announced and what will be strengthened? So we announced uh, first within the Pacific Partner Action and Commitment Engagement this uh, high-level uh, proposal that the PIF leaders adopted. We have announced that we will uh, dedicate financial resources to help carry the voices of the Pacific leaders on the matters of climate change and biodiversity through the Climate Champions Program of the PIF. And we will... Uh, organize a specific uh, conference uh, for uh, PIF members ahead of the UNOC3, you know, this uh, United Nations uh, Oceans Conference that we are um, organizing in Nice in 2025. And we really want to have, uh, in addition to the five priorities, which are specific UN priorities, uh, we have also our own priorities. And uh, focusing on the Pacific is one of our priorities. It's very important. And of course, we will not think for the Pacific leaders. We hope that the Pacific leaders can take this opportunity on board to have this UN conference ahead and, 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 and use this opportunity to enhance their own commitment to the UN targets, which are first the BBNG, the Global Biodiversity Framework, and we hope that by then gain 60 ratifications so that the treaty can enter into force. Then we want to have a legally binding instrument to end plastic pollution. And I understand that it's uh, an issue in the Pacific. Then we also want to to strengthen the fight against uh, illegal fishing, decarbonize maritime transport, and raise awareness on the risk about, around deep sea mining. So those are the five UN priorities. And in addition to the, those five UN priorities, we have three um, our three own priorities, among which focusing on, on the Pacific Blue Continent priorities.
Pacifica actors dominate the big screen in Taika Waititi's latest film, Next Goal Wins. The movie is based on the true story of American Samoa's football team and their journey to the 2011 FIFA World Cup qualifiers. Once dubbed the worst soccer team in the world following an infamous 31-0 loss to Australia in 2001, the team aspires to score at least one goal in the 2011 qualifiers. A private premiere was held on Monday night at the Newmarket Event Cinemas in Auckland. Tiana Haxton went along. The cinema was packed as eager moviegoers lined up for the first viewing of Next Goal Wins here in Aotearoa. Mingling with the crowd were three of the stars, Oscar Kitely, David Fane and Semu Filippo. Kitely plays the role of Tavita, the beloved president of the American Samoa football team. He is proud to see the film finally reach the big screen. I'm feeling relieved and glad that it's just coming out. You know, we shot it in the before times, before the world went crazy with COVID. There was a lot of times where I wondered whether it would come out, and it has four years later. Um, So I'm just excited and relieved. And this is Hollywood level, you know, and this is Taika. Portraying demoted local coach Ace is David Fani. He was moved by the support of the Pacific Islands community in attendance at the premiere. Fani says the community has a strong inbuilt love and respect for each other. If one does well, we all do well. We're a small portion of, of, of anywhere in the world. And yet here we are, all of us, cheering on the fact that we have all this brownness on on film and that, that's the most amazing thing you know and you don't have to be Samoan to be proud but you do have to be Pacific Islander to know how important this is the people matter Islanders matter our stories matter Speaking about director Taika Waititi Fami says that he is changing the narrative for brown stories paving the way for how Pacific Islanders are represented in film. You know, Taika, he's a mate, but he also is a person that just wants to change how we perceive this part of the world. It's simple. And, and he said, day by day, we can do it. Semu Filippo is grateful for the opportunity to act alongside some big Pacifica names. He plays a local cop-turned-soccer player, recruited just a few weeks before the team heads to the World Cup qualifiers. Filippo shared how proud he is as a Pacific Islander to have been casted in next goal wins. Oh, as, as, a, as a Polynesian practitioner in, in this field, um, I'm just overwhelmed to be able to, uh, to tell our stories and being given the opportunity by Taika and the team, I'm, I'm quite honoured and privileged uh, to be on this side of it all to, and uh, working with Dave and, and Oscar to, to tell our stories uh, because our stories are amazing and there's not many of us, there's not many of us in this world and I think there's something that we can actually work on in regards to our stories to be told by our people. The film will grace New Zealand cinemas in two weeks' time on the 7th of December. Filippo is encouraging the Pacific Islands community to watch the film and enjoy the wholesome story. I'm just real happy that uh, a lot of people get to see this, and especially our, our people, our people. Our Polynesian people, 
I hope you love this one because this one's for you. Um, yeah, love you all. While the American Samoa team did not qualify for the 2011 World Cup, the film scored goals of its own on Aotearoa soil. There were three packed cinemas full of laughter on premiere night, combating the initial harsh reviews from American movie critics. Nudasa shows over 11,000 students in Aotearoa, New Zealand, took part in Pacific language learning this year. The Ministry of Education has seen a 40% uptake since 2019, even during the global pandemic. Anisha Satya spoke to teachers and asked what it means to them. Not Spanish, nor French, but the languages of our Pacifica brothers and sisters. New numbers released by the Ministry of Education show Pacific language learning has increased by 40% in the last five years. Teacher Ali'i Muamua Bachelor welcomes the uptake. Extremely happy, especially with, um, with COVID. In 2019, only 8,000 students were involved in immersion learning or taking Pacific language courses through NCEA. Tiaratai's Feleti Pesefer says we've come a long way. It's just a, a, an opportunity for them to learn the language and learn the culture and then hopefully be the carriers of that and share that as they grow as well. Samoan, Tongan and Cook Islands Māori had the highest rates of enrolment, while Fijian, Nguyen and Tokelauan had the lowest. Only one school in Wellington offered Tokelauan. The, the main challenge is you know, just not having enough staff, you know, not having enough resources. Ministry for Pacific Peoples' Louisa Beluanga says events like Polyfest and Pacific Language Weeks encourage young people into learning pathways. Pacific languages are you know, a cornerstone of our health and well-being and identity as Pacific peoples. While enrolments may be up, Veluanga says competency in Pacific languages is declining. Events like Language Weeks giving Pacifica youth a chance to carry the torch. We've seen the rich diversity um, and just the pride of our young people in displaying their language and culture during such events. Pesefea hopes Pacific languages will one day be a part of everyday conversation. Learning the language actually goes hand in hand with learning the culture as well. Um, you know, it could be in doing the karakia in Tongan or in a prayer in Fiji and those types of things. For New Zealand schools and students looking to expand their horizons, NCEA currently offers 12 Pacific language courses. A Fijian ice cream maker and the woman of Rambi Island in Fiji have established the perfect relationship. The woman on the island, which is home to many families of Barnabans transplanted there three generations ago, have long made coconut nectar, but never for commercial purposes. During the COVID border shutdown, Kylie Patterson of Maramaniu was searching for a local source of the coconut nectar and with the help of Farmer Plus was connected with the woman of Rambi. Now her ice cream business is growing quickly. Miss Patterson spoke with Don Wiseman and began by telling him what makes coconut nectar or kamaimai so appealing. Coconut nectar is a plant-based sweetener. It's made from boiling the sap of the flower blossom of a coconut tree. So you extract the sap from the flower 
And when you get in sufficient quantities, then you just boil it. You apply heating, and then it turns into a caramel-colored and, and flavored syrup that you could use pretty much as you would any liquid sweetener, honey or agave, etc. And you're using it for ice cream and things like that. Yes. So our core business was making nice creams, so coconut ice cream, so plant-based. And instead of using refined sugar, I use coconut nectar instead. You're a fast-growing business. You only started during COVID or just before COVID? We began at the height of COVID around uh, June, July of 2020. It was an experiment turned business. Uh, And at the time, we were importing coconut nectar from Tuvalu. But now you're able to get it and you've got a deal with the community on Rambi. Correct. Now we're able to keep it local and we help support rural women on Rambi. Their their families make the coconut nectar for us. So we source solely from Rambi at the moment. And how did that come about? It's a long way away from where you are. That is true. Well, when the borders closed in 2020, I really didn't want to use refined sugar. So I reached out to friends and family looking for a local supplier. And then Merita Manley of Party got in touch with me. She was a customer at the time and she knew I was looking for local suppliers of coconut nectar. So she got me in touch with SBC and they funded our first trip to Rambi because it's it's something that's traditionally made in Rambi. So, yeah, we went to Rambi in September of 2020 and met with one supplier. At the time, we only had one supplier. Now we have about eight. Coconut yeah. nectar is traditionally made, but it was something that wasn't being done. They never got a market for it, so they didn't see the value in, in making it. They would consume it fresh, but not make it into a syrup. So I was able to provide a market, and that's something that we're continuing to grow today. So, in fact, you're getting some aid support from Correct. Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, so Pharma Plus has come on board to assist us develop it further. And we've just come back from Rambi, uh, I think, two weeks ago to do our scoping work and then we reassess and see where we go from here. Your business is growing exponentially. Uh, I guess we've come leaps and bounds from where we began. Yes, but we've still got a lot more growing to do. It's not easy work, especially in community development, but we're making we're making some moves, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Do you see yourself eventually exporting or...? That's the goal. Uh, Coconut Nectar is such a premium product, and I've tried different versions of it made by um, in the Asian countries, in the Philippines, etc. And I've, I've tried these, but they're not the same quality as, as what you would get here in Rambi. It is a different flavor profile altogether. So we develop it further, standardize the processing. The export market is where we're looking. Tell me a little bit more about this product, because, you know, as you say, it's a, an alternative to using simple yeah. sugar. So yes. what, why is it better than honey, say? Well, for one, um, it has uh, health benefits. Health benefits. It has a low, it's very nutritious, a lot more nutritious than, than honey. It has about 17 different nutrient profiles to it and amino acids, etc. But it also has a very low glycemic index of 35. It's one of the lowest probably the second second lowest in comparison to agave for a natural plant-based sweetener. Only 35. Honey ranges between 50 to 60, depending on how pure the honey is. Even maple syrup is, is exponentially really high. And the fructose level of coconut nectar is about 10% in comparison to other, other sweeteners that require heating, possibly. And that is because there's not much in terms of processing for the coconut nectar. Aside from boiling it, that's it. 
So yeah. glycemic indexes for low GI, it's beneficial for those who are trying to watch their sugar intake or the spike in their sugar levels. So I have a few customers who are diabetic who are able to have this product and not have to worry about their sugar level spiking. And they test it before and after they consume it, which is why they also consume my ice cream because there isn't anything in the market that really they can take and enjoy something without having to worry about the health issues attached to it. That's Sangatsa Otimwana for today. Remember, you can download us for free to device from Spotify, iHa or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. So far, so far.